They're the ones carried over. If you want to turn in your Bibles tonight, look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. I pray that God give everybody here a, a blessing tonight. I pray that God give you some little something. I pray that it'd be my hopes that nobody in here is in a valley, but um, not quite that naive. I believe somebody's probably at least around the outskirts of one, on the edge of one. You've either been in one or kind of hanging around the edge of one, but we're going to talk a little bit about the valley for just a few minutes tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to do battle, and were gathered together at Shekoh, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shekoh and Azekah in Ephesdemim. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. I want to look for just a few minutes at the process of growth through the valley. God, thank you so much for being so good. And God, I, I wish that I had the heart and the mind of Paul. I wish that I could say I glory in tribulations, but I don't. God, I don't glory in tribulations while I'm in them, but I can look back on the storms behind. I can look back on the valleys that you've already brought us through, and I can say thank you for those. I can see how you delivered me. I can see how you delivered many that are standing in here tonight, God, as we've walked through valleys together, and we can see how you brought us out on the other side stronger. You brought us out with a story to tell, a story that might help somebody else walk through their valley. And God, I pray tonight, would you take your word? I pray that you'd give us something, Father. We're not out on live stream. We're not anywhere but right here, God. I pray you'd bless this group of people right here tonight. I pray that your spirit would flow through this place freely. And I pray, God, that above all, that you'd be pleased with everything that we do. We love you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's a lot of people hurting right now. Paul Hutchins talked about it. I didn't really get to see it in the parade. I saw... I saw a lot of things. I saw a lot of faces smiling. I saw a lot of people waving. I saw a lot of children out at the edge. I could see some things. I saw a lot of people when they saw that train, they'd be standing with their arms folded and their eyes get big and they go to getting their phone out and, and snapping pictures. But, but Paul, Paul and Dale actually were both on the side. And I haven't talked to Dale about this, but Paul was telling me later. He said, I saw a lot of faces that were just blank. He said, I would see, number one, those of you that were there, that, that, that was a really big crowd at the parade, man. There was tons of people all throughout that route. There was people everywhere. But Paul said there were a lot of people that either mad or hurting or helpless or hopeless, but he said there was just a lot of blank looks. They're at, a, they're at a Christmas parade, and everybody else is having a great time. But he said he felt like probably half the faces. Again, I, I don't have that as a personal experience. That's, that's what he observed, and he had a pretty good look. Stand up there on the front, but, but I, I know in the past two or three weeks, I've gotten a few calls from people I don't even know. I, I have no idea how they get my number, and it doesn't matter. I don't know who gives it to them. Some of them tell me their names. Some of them actually choose to stay anonymous, and I'm fine with that. I don't need to know their name. I don't know, them. I don't know who they are if they tell me their names. But pe people are struggling with, with a lot of stuff. Many, many of you, and not just necessarily you here, but many of our family of Faith Baptist Church from Sunday morning, different ones. But I've learned as a pastor to 
a lot of you went through a lot of stuff. You didn't have the childhood that I had. You, you don't have the memories that, that Dad and I have as sons and fathers. You don't have uh, memories of a mom like I had. You went, you went through some, I mean, there's a lot of people in this church went through some horrible childhoods, and, and they drag a lot of that stuff with them. And a lot of people still feel worthless because of what happened in their childhood. A lot of people are still dragging stuff with them that holds them back and, and holds them down. And, and so people, people have called. Matter of fact, I, I had a guy text me today. I have no idea who it is. Um, actually, when Robin woke up, wanted to know, did she wake me up? I had dozed off to sleep. She didn't. My phone buzzed, which is a good thing because I needed to study. You know, you know you bore, you got a boring message when you fall asleep studying your own message. But it is Sunday afternoon, right? So my phone woke me up, and then somebody I don't even know texting. But, you know, people... People talk about this particular individual had sat on a bed with a gun in his mouth. And he couldn't find any reason to live. He just didn't have the nerve to pull the trigger. There's a lot of people like that. I thank God that he didn't have the nerve. You know, we get calls all the time. Sometimes people will call. I have, again, I have no idea how to get my number, but I feel like they're probably the 50th pastor they've called this year because they're talking about killing themselves. And to be honest, they're... they're they're not. I mean, you can tell some of you talk to, that's just become their talk. And they certainly are beat down with a lot of talk, but, but a lot of people, usually the ones that won't talk about it, those are the ones that also come up missing. New Hope Baptist Church, one of the, one of the biggest names in the church under Pastor Ike Riker. I mean, he was, he was a deacon in the church. He served in all the ministries of the church. He, his family, life, everybody loved him, full of life. One day he kills himself. Nobody even knew he was dealing with problems, but he was. And I, I will say this, that's never an answer. That's never an answer. Um, number one, it's a selfish answer because I remember that from New Hope. It crushed the church. It crushed his family. It crushes everybody around you. So whatever somebody's dealing with, suicide's never an, an answer. Not to mention, it's, it's not trusting the creator of the universe to handle our problems. Our problems can be bad, but, but that's never a way out. But a lot of people are dealing with that. They, they send me messages. People are dealing with addictions. And when I say addictions, everybody automatically thinks of drugs and alcohol. But, you know, a lot of times it's prescription medication. It's pain pills. A lot of times it's, um, let's just say photography and leave it at that. Um, it, it's still addictions. People are addicted to stuff that is holding a grip on them, and they want to get out of it. And they know it's wrong, they just don't know how. I'm, I'm just telling you from calls that I get, not just from church members, but from people I don't know any idea who they are. There's a lot of people hurting. And here we are, the, the Christmas season is coming, inflation is what it is. Prices of everything is going up. There's shortages on things. And if you can find it, it's higher than it ought to be. So you put this extra financial burden on top of the things that, that people already have this time of year. And... I guess we're all alike. We all want to give our best to our children. I mean, we, we can be realists. It's Sunday night in church. We, we all know what Christmas is about, right? We know that Jesus Christ is the reason for the season. We know the most important thing is to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I doubt there's one person in here that don't want to give your children more than you had, and we had it all. You, you want to give to your wife, to your husband. You want, you want to give stuff. It's just a giving season, and it's just a nature that you want, you want to buy things. But a lot of times, truth is, we want to buy things we can't afford. 
And sometimes we find ways to get them, and then that carries on over into January or February because we, we're going to find a way to get it so we put it on plastic. But the way I see it, if I don't have the money now, I ain't going to have the money next month either. So, so it carries on into January and even in, into February. It causes stress. It causes stress in life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I ain't by myself, am I? Stress in life causes stress in a marriage. Stress in a marriage causes stress in the home. It causes stress in the family. It begins to cause stress at work. Stress, stress just easily makes fingers that branches out into everything you do, and it seems like it just kind of adds to it. Um, sickness is certainly a large part of it. A, a lot of people right now are stressed about COVID. I talk to people on an almost weekly basis. Some people are freaked out about COVID. And, I, and man, I tell you what, after I bout with it, I, I don't blame them. Um, it's, it's more than I thought it was. I just thought it was a, a bad flu. But, you know, I, if that ain't bad enough, the flu is making its rounds again this year. I didn't hear much out of the flu last year, but several of you have already had the flu. I've got a very good friend, Brother Bob Martin, is big in with us at the Lighthouse Children's Home. He was in the Vantage for years, had a Bible college down in Costa Rica. Now he's a missionary here in the U.S., is, is bad sick with the flu. A um, couple more people I heard of this week that, that are either church members or family church members have the flu, so it certainly has resurfaced. It's important for us to try to kind of keep an eye on COVID and what it's doing because we are planning ministries out. We're planning some things in January and looking into February. Um, we, we've got a missionary coming next Sunday night. We're looking to have a missionary in January. We're looking to do a revival, hopefully in February, to trying to bring groups in. So it's important for us to look out and see where things are. But here's what you see right now. The Delta variance is on the rise. It's not, it's not a big, it hasn't made a big jump yet. But if you look at anywhere, it's on a fairly slow but consistent rise across the nation. Somewhere, I think it was Tuesday of this week. It might have even been Wednesday, but I think it was Tuesday that I heard somebody got off of a plane in California with that Omicron, I guess is how you said that new variance. That was Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. I pulled it up to check this morning, and it's been confirmed in seven states. Well, that happened awful fast. And they say that it's, I've, I've read it's up to like 500 times more contagious than the Delta variant. Now, I don't say all that to get people in the dumps. I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff concerning the people right now. There's a lot of things going on because sickness, sickness plays a big part in the stress. And then you got the debate over vaccine and no vaccine and mask and no mask. And that's creating conflict even within families and within homes. There's, just, there's a lot of things going on. We walk through a lot of valleys. Is that a fair way to say it? In, in this life, we walk through an awful lot of valleys. I know everybody has experienced valleys in their life, and, and I know some of you may even be dealing with one now. But one thing that is the truth may not set well with you for a minute, but it is the truth. A valley is either designed by God or it is allowed by God. If it's not one of those two, then it doesn't happen. God is in absolute control. Anybody doubt that God is in control of all things? Anybody doubt that God can't take care of you? Anybody in here doubt that, that the devil can do something to you? You believe that the devil can do something to you that God didn't allow? You, you need to read in the story of Job. Because the devil said, hey, the reason he's like that is because you won't let me get to him. So we know that God has the same hedge about us. 
which tells me I know that, that a valley is either designed by God or it is allowed by God, but that means I can know this for a fact. Regardless of which it is, it is controlled by God. Nothing can happen in my valley that God does not have control over. So the valley, a lot of times, and, and most all of us, as we look back in our life, it's the valleys where we grew the most. In the valleys, I've prayed more than I have on the mountaintops. In the low spots of my life, I've spent more time reading God's Word. In the low spots of my life, I, I've walked a little bit different in my life. I've tried to do things a little more Christ-like, but honest truth, because I want out of the valley. And, and it is the valley that, that reminds us, that, that draws us close. You know, it's kind of hard to, honestly, sometimes we get on the mountaintop and things are going so good, it's easy to have overslept a few minutes and miss a Bible reading in the morning. But when I'm in the valley, I ain't oversleeping nothing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm probably already awake anyway. So, so you, you're already laying in the bed praying. You get up and spend some time reading. So it's the valleys where, where we grow. And I know we've talked about some of this before. But what we see here in this text is that it is the valley that provides a battlefield. It took the valley to establish the, this battlefield between these two mountains. Pastor Freeman, one time he was preaching. The reason I remember this, it was in June of 2013. And the reason I remember it is because of what he said and the time at which he said it. He, he was talking about valleys, and I don't remember the whole gist of the message. I just remember talking about if you're in a valley, be encouraged. Because for every valley, there's two mountains. He, he made the statement it takes two mountains to make a valley. I came up to Pastor Freeman after church, and I said, Preacher, it all depends on how you look at it. He said, what do you mean? I said, when you're on the mountain, it's easy to say it takes two mountains to make a valley. Because when you're on the mountain, you overlook the valley to see the next mountain. When you're on the mountain, you see all the scenery and everything looks beautiful. But when you're in the valley, and the reason I know it was June of 2013, because we were in the valley of our lives with my mom. The hospital sent us home. The hospital said the cancer is too bad. We can't do anything for you. You can go home. You can go to hospice. Basically, they said you can go home and die. That's what they said. And they wouldn't help us. They wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't give any more treatments. That, that's a pretty severe valley. So that's why I remember the time and what happened. I told them, I said, when you're in the valley, you realize that just like it takes two mountains to make one valley, it takes two valleys to make one mountain. So it really all depends on how you look at it. But the bottom line is, on the other side of every mountain comes another valley, right? So, so we spend a lot of time in the valleys. Had there not been a valley here in this text... There really wouldn't have been anything here to separate the, the two armies to set up this story that's about to unfold. Y'all know the story. It's the story of David and Goliath. That's what's about to unfold here in this valley. The valley set a place for God to do something great. If you look down at verse number 39 there in our text in chapter 17, a lot of things transpire in those few verses between what we've read and David and his brothers have the conversation and Saul has the conversation and his brothers is on him about being a little runt and sticking his nose in their business, you know, being out spying on the battle. But in verse number 39, it says that David girded his sword upon his arm and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. David put them off, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Not only did the valley make a place for the battlefield, but it made a place for the brook. The, the brook doesn't run up and over the mountains. The brook runs down 
through the valley. It runs down through the bottom. And it takes running water to make a smooth stone. If you've ever done much with, with slingshots before, you understand the importance of a smooth stone. My, my dad tell you, growing up, man, we spent hours. It was bow and arrows, and it was slingshots. And, and Haven McCowan and I, I guess probably the most, Haven used to do wad cutters, one-inch steel, but we shot slingshots all the time. Matter of fact, it was a thing around camp, throw your hat up. And you'd throw each other's hats up, and he'd throw his up, I'd shoot it, and I'd throw mine, and he'd shoot it, and we wore some of the nastiest-looking full-of-hole hats you've ever seen. But we love shooting slingshots. But one of the things you learn, doesn't matter what you do, I learned through archery, a crooked arrow will not shoot true. You can take the best gun made, and if you do something wrong trying to clean the barrel and you mess up the riflings in that barrel, that gun will not shoot true. You take a rock with rough edges that, that doesn't have smooth, rounded edges and put it in a slingshot, it won't shoot true. So there had to be a brook to make the smooth stone, and there had to be a valley to make the brook. The third thing I see here in this valley is not only provides a place for a battlefield and it provided a place for the brook, but it provided a place for a blessing. It provided a place for God to do something great. It provided a place for God to begin to establish David for the man that he was going to become. You know, David wasn't always king of Israel. David wasn't always the man after God's own heart. He was a ruddy little boy back in the beginning of the text. And he's just the youngest little brother making trouble right here in this text when he comes out of the battlefield. But God saw more. But in order to get David from where he was to what he was going to be, God had to do some things in his life. And this valley provides a place for God to do something great, not just for David, but for all the nation of Israel. So something, th this would be really important for me to remember. I'll tell you that before I give you this, because I never really seem to be able to do this when I'm in the valley. You don't have to be in a hurry to get out of the valley. If you're anything like me, if I'm in the valley, I'm, I'm begging, oh, God, get me out of this. Well, look, look what's here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not by myself, am I? But, but the truth is we really don't have to be in a hurry to get out of the valley because it's the valley where God does some things. So rather than be in a hurry to get out of the valley, it would do well if we just learned to trust God in the valley. Now, I'm giving you all that as good Bible advice. It ain't nothing that I know how to do or I wouldn't be worried about things. If I'm in a valley, I'm trying to climb the mountain desperately to get out of where I am. But what I do know from studying this story, and the only thing I know is that God gives me stuff, and it's what I get to preach, but it's not what I'm teaching you. It's what I'm trying to learn. You just get to share it along with me. The, the stone... That, that was down there in, in that brook. It is down in this valley. Once upon a time, that was a rough rock. Once upon a time, that same rock, that the smooth stone that David put in his pouch, once upon a time, it wasn't fit for a slingshot. Once upon a time, it was probably bigger, probably had some jagged edges, had some, some rough corners. A, a lot of hard things had to be removed. We've talked about that some recently in weeks about us and concrete and needing some hard edges chipped off. That stone had to be shaped. If it's going to be a useful, smooth stone for God to use for this one-time purpose in the hand of David, it's had to go through some things. There's been a lot of storms that's gone on upstream, and sand has washed down through that river, and that sand 
rubbing on that rock over years and years has rubbed that rock and worn off the edges and made it smooth and round. It has created something that God can use. Sometimes we just got to stay in the valley for a while. Sometimes you got to stay down there to some storms upstream, wash by, and it just washes some edges. But sometimes we're in the valley. It's because God is making something special. And it may be for a one-time purpose that nothing else will do, just like this stone. We don't hear about that particular rock before or after. God formed over years down in that valley this one smooth stone for this specific time to be used by the hand of God. That might well be what God's doing with us in the valley making something be used by his own hand. The reason that David could write the most popular of the Psalms in the Bible, the 23rd Psalm, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The reason David could write about the valley is because David's not just been in the valley. David's been delivered through the valley. You and I are where we are today because we've been delivered through some valleys. We've been through some hard times in our life, but there's not one of you in here right now that can't look back and see that we may not be what we're going to be, but praise God, we're not what we were. And it's taken some valleys and some, and some rubbing and some sand and some grinding to knock off some edges. David knew what it was like to be in the valley and hold the hand of God. David was in a valley when he faced Goliath. It was the valley that provided everything that he needed to come out of that valley victorious, which means way before, y'all hang on because it's going to come into your life, way before that battle ever took place, way before the Philistines ever got up here, and way before the nation of Israel got up here, God placed a rock right here. And it was a rough rock. And he started working on it years before, years before these two armies ever got here. And God has worked on this rock all this time for such a time as this. That means God already knew about this valley. God already knew about Goliath. God already knew about David. And God already made a way before we ever got there. Our valley ain't no different. Years before we ever get to the valley that we're going in, God already knows about the valley. He already knows how we're going to get in the valley. He already knows about the stone he's provided in the bottom of the valley. He already knows about the Goliath that he's going to give us victory over in the valley. And he already knows how he's going to bring us out of the valley. He already knows how he's going to set us up as David. That, that we, we are, if nothing else, we know that, that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We know what the future is coming. But sometimes, sometimes the valley takes a while. To accomplish all that God's doing. In, in the valley, what I see is, is in the valley, there, there can be peace. There, there doesn't have to be fear. David said that he, he wouldn't have any fear. That, he, that he'd walk in the valley of the shadow of death. So, so in the valley, I see here that there can, be, there can be victory over the battle. Victory over whatever it is. 
that we're facing. In the valley, there can be a, a brook. The brook is necessary. Um, the brook was necessary. The brook cherith. Um, the, the, the brook is necessary. We talked about water this morning. The brook is necessary. We've got to have water. But the brook was necessary for more than just water. It was necessary to provide the means of the ammunition that was going to be used. Sometimes we get into the valley that's been prepared before. God has already made some smooth stones that we can put in our bag, and we're going to use those smooth stones to fight the battles that we don't even know about yet. It doesn't have to be a scary place. The valley can be a place where we learn how to hold God's hand a little tighter. Valley can be a place where we learn how to trust God a little more, where we learn how to, to hold on to Him and know that if He got me out of the last one, He can get me out of this one. Valleys are hard. I ain't going to lie to you there. Valleys are tough. But they're a little easier if I can just know that for some reason God's got me in a valley if I'm in a valley. We're, we're not in a valley because God's angry with us. When we're down in, in a valley, it, is, it doesn't mean that, that God has left us. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten us. It doesn't mean that God has forsaken us. If anything, it means that God loves us. He loves us enough to do something to shape us, to take some more rough edges off. It, it may just mean that God is is looking to do something special with us to make us smooth enough to be used for a specific purpose that nothing else could do. You just might be that one. You know, I hear people talk about it all the time, you know, if, oh, if I had money, I would help this. I'd have money. I wish I had money to do that. And there's so many people hurt, and I wish I could donate this much money here and that much money there. And, you know, well, if we could do that, man, we, we would just help. And, People are always looking for a big opportunity to help somebody. A long time ago, I, either, I think I read where, where it was written, somebody said that um, big opportunities may come along once in a lifetime. The small opportunities come along every day. And the reality is we're not ready for the big opportunity of a lifetime if we're not taking care of the small opportunities every day. But that big opportunity that may come along once in our life we may not be ready for that opportunity until we've been in the brook down at the bottom of the valley for a while and the water's run by and, and wash some edges off. I, I know it's hard. I don't even... It's biblical, so I, I can teach you, but that don't mean it's easy that we are to rejoice in the valley. Paul says, I glory in tribulation. Anybody got that one down to science? Raise your hand. Glory and tribulation. We are to rejoice in the valley. I mentioned Job a while ago. It made me, it made me think. Um, you know, Job, I guess, probably suffered more than anybody. I, I don't know. Well, outside of Jesus Christ, of course. Um, I, I, know, I know a lot of you have been through a lot. And I just, I think of Job... I can't imagine, I can't imagine waking up one morning the wealthiest man in the East and going to bed that night basically a beggar. He had nothing. I can't imagine waking up one morning with lots of children 
and going to bed that night with none. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't know, even in, in whatever tragedies everybody may have faced, I don't know that any of us has faced any more than Job did. I mean, to lose that much in a lifetime is almost unbearable, but to lose that much in a day, and while one yet speaketh, another come, and while one yet speaketh, another cometh, and while he yet speaketh, another cometh, and it just goes on and on. But it's um, chapter, Job chapter 13, verse number 15. Job's friends have come. His wife's already questioned him, and he's already talked about the foolish woman, and, and he's already talked about, hey, we glorify God when he gives us stuff, and we'll glorify God when he takes stuff, and naked came I into this world, and naked I'll leave. And you've already had that, and there's three friends that eventually says, miserable comforters are ye. But, but here in, in chapter 13, in verse number 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. I, I don't know how you get to that. I wish I did. I wish I could just give you a magic recipe and say, Hey, you want to get to that? But to be honest, that, I, I feel like Job's probably been through some trials that this Bible don't tell us about. I don't have anything to prove that. The Bible don't tell it. I don't know. I don't claim that. I'm just saying. I don't believe he became that kind of man with that kind of faith and that kind of spirit if he ain't been through some stuff. He's seen God hold him up before. You and I have seen God hold us up before. You may not be the one in the valley, but somebody is. So if we're, if we're not the one in the valley, or even if we are, it might even make our valley better if we just walk along beside somebody else. I promise you this. You know somebody that's in a valley. You hear me? You know somebody. There's too many people in them right now. There's too many people hurting. And a lot of times, the easiest way to take the burden off our valley is to walk along somebody else in, in their valley. To try to be a blessing to somebody else. Try to hold up somebody else. So if, if nothing else... Praise God that we're not in a valley if we're not in a valley. But help somebody that is. Because one day, we're going, if we ain't in one now, we're going to be. We're going to need somebody to come along and hold us up. Amen. God make us usable vessels. Some of you have been in valleys for a long time before, and right now you are smooth stone. God's taken a lot of edges off of you. God's, God's made something better out of us than we used to be. Amen. As bad as I am, y'all don't want to know how I was. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop with that. I'm going to stop. We're going to take a few minutes to pray. I want you to pray for a couple of people in particular. One of them, they told me their name, and, and I've got it. There's no reason to give it to you. I don't figure you know them any more than I do, but because of the nature of their conversation, I don't need to give their name. And The other one has chosen to remain anonymous, and that's okay. I told them it's okay. I don't need to know the name. It don't matter. I don't, I don't know them anyway, but, but I know the situation. But I'm going to ask this church tonight to pray for a couple of people that are in a valley. And it's a hard valley. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray... I ask you to pray with me that, that God would make a way for them, that God would, would pick them up. Then one of them in particular is carrying a lot of scars from his past. He's carrying a lot of stuff, and he feels worthless. 
he, he doesn't he doesn't feel like he has any value. It took a little convincing that you've got enough value that Jesus Christ climbed up on a cross for you. He doesn't feel like anybody loves him. It takes a little convincing um, to convince somebody that God, the creator of the universe, loved you enough to send his only begotten son to die for you. And, and I understand their side. Jesus came for all men. That's true. But if it were only you, he would have still come. Because he cares that much about you. He, he has a spot for you. He's preparing a mansion for you. It's just, it's just up to you. But, you know, when, when you're down in that, I, I praise God, I've never had to deal with that kind of depression. I've never had to deal with, with that feeling of worthlessness. And that, that's where he is. He feels absolutely worthless. Um, one dealing with addictions, they, they don't feel like there's any way out. They've struggled with it for so long. And this last bout nearly killed them. And, and now they're, they're struggling to survive. They're, they're, they're trying to, to find some help. And they don't have any money as usual. So it's not like they can go pay for some great kind of counseling. I'm just asking you, would you pray with me for these people? There are people in valleys that, that need our prayer. And they're not, they're not people we know. But it doesn't matter. If they make their need known to us, then, then we're accountable to pray for them. I want us to pray for each other and pray through the holidays. Um, that, that God would hold each other up, each of us up, and certainly pray for our own valleys. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand. Tim, Tim's going to sing something. You're welcome to come to the altar and pray. You're welcome to stay where you are and pray. If you want to bring something here and give it to the Lord that, that's yours, or if you want to come here to, to pray for those that are in need, I would appreciate you praying um, for some people that have reached out for help. You know, it's a little, little nerve-wracking, especially the last two weeks. I've gotten lots of them. But one text one morning started out with, this, is this the pastor of Faith Baptist Church in LaGrange? That's a little bit of a tough question to just say, yeah, because you have no idea what's coming next. But you send yes, and you have no idea what to expect. And it's amazing what they'll tell you. And they're safe there because... This particular one says he's never told anybody his story. There's only one person that ever knows it. And I'm just tell you, it just, it just reminds me of how many people are hurting. It reminds me of how many people that are in this church that I've sat in my office and talked to. you got things that happened in your life. I had no idea. There are people carrying a lot of heavy burdens. But God's able. God's able to pull us out of the valleys. Amen. God's able to grow us and strengthen us and make some smooth stones out of the valley. If you're in the valley, we could be encouraged that God's doing something special. God's making a stone for the pouch of David to kill a Goliath somewhere in somebody's life. God's doing something special in us, and he cares about us enough to continue to shape us. Go ahead and sing, bro. Let's go ahead and pray.